The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the hosts and guests and do not necessarily reflect the official positions of NAMI New Hampshire or the organization's funders. All individuals and personal experiences are different. Please connect with your primary care provider or a mental health professional to seek advice regarding any condition you may experience. NAMI New Hampshire does not endorse or advise specific treatments. For 24-7 crisis help, contact the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255 or text NAMI to the crisis text line at 741-741 or call 911. Welcome to the 603 Stories Podcast, a monthly mental health podcast made by young adults for young adults, where we share stories, make connections, and find hope. Any ads throughout this podcast are not associated with 603 Stories or the 603 Stories Podcast. There will be sensitive subjects discussed during this podcast. Should you need them, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is 1-800-273-8255. Or you can text the Crisis Text Line by texting 741-741. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the 603 Stories podcast. I'm Jace. I'll be one of your hosts. And this is a mental health podcast by and for young adults. I'm Heather. And as a reminder, uh, Jace and I are not mental health professionals. We are just two young folks who are passionate about mental health. And today we are here with three wonderful guests to talk about stress. So let's take a moment to let them introduce themselves. Hi, everyone. I'm Erin Murphy. I'm the junior class president at Wyndham High School. Um, I started working with NAMI. Well, I started working a lot with NAMI um, like a year and a half ago after my cousin Amy and I's video, Dear Younger Me, won the Magnify Voices Expressive Arts Contest. Hi everyone, uh, my name is Katie. I am a senior at Concord High School. I am 18 years old and I am currently serving on Reach One, Teach One, Love One's peer board as secretary. Hi, I'm Oakley. I'm a junior from Hollis Brookline. I use she, they, and it pronouns interchangeably. And I am also the youngest chairwoman on the Hannah Grace Baysmore Foundation. Um, just board in general. Um, it's a nonprofit organization specifically for suicide prevention. And I've also been in, whew, I can't even count on my fingers alone how many projects I've been in involving mental health. It's been something I've advocated for since, well, since as long as my memory can serve really, at least 2017 or so. 
So we'd want to thank you three for joining us today and taking the time to discuss how stress impacts you and how you've dealt with it in positive ways. So right now, Heather and I are just going to take a moment to kind of talk a little bit about stress, what that might look like, and what are some things that can increase stress in a young adult's life? The first one that I tend to think of is pressure and expectations. So I know that when I was in high school, I was dealing with a lot of pressure and expectations from different um, places in my life. So my family, I had a lot of pressure coming from them to get good grades in school. So school was also a stress, um, but also sports. I was always pushing myself to be a better athlete. Um, and then adding work on top of that, um, there was just stress coming from different angles in my life. And I always dealt with it in different ways, sometimes positive, sometimes not so positive. But today we're here to talk about the ways that we can handle things positively. I actually have a pretty similar experience, not so surprisingly as it often goes. Um, during high school, I was one of the little like balls of anxiety, um, lots of expectations for, you know, getting good grades. Um, I have an older sibling who, you know, was the honors student taking honors classes, went to a good college. Um, and I, did fine <laughs> and ended up going to art school. So not again, really hitting expectations um, for what my family might have intended. And even like in college, I had the horrible habit of spreading myself too thin. I did like, you know, work, school, helping family, projects around the house, um, anything and everything um, until I hit the point of burnout. Um, and just didn't give myself the time to reboot like I needed and refresh and take care of myself. So my stress level was like through the roof at that point. And another stressful thing that is common in a lot of people's lives, especially those living with mental illness is stigma. People deal with stigma day in and day out and the stigma of an identity or a mental illness can really cause a lot of stress for people because you wanna be seen for who you are, not just the mental illness you have or um, your gender or sexual identity, but it comes with a lot of stigma and carrying that around day to day can really work its way into your life and into your mental health. Absolutely, and I would say honestly that it was the biggest barrier for me actually taking care of myself. Um, you know, I was one of the folks who was like, uh, therapy, get to it later, uh, therapy, get to it later. Um, because it wasn't something that was normalized. It wasn't something that was, uh, taught to be a priority. Um, and it can be a huge barrier for accessing help, de-stressing and caring for yourself. So there are a lot of different areas that stress can come from in our lives. And there are a lot of different things that can kind of increase that stress as we go through our day to day. And now we have our three wonderful guests to share a little bit about their experiences with stress with us and talk a little bit about how they worked through it. So Aaron, uh, without further ado, take it away. I loved everything both of you guys just said. Heather, it sounds like we're just the same person. Um, burnout is so common for me, especially lately. 
Um, and when I think about areas of my life right now that are like full of stress, I do think of, I mean, school is the first thing that comes up, but I really struggle with like time management. And I feel like I was never really like taught, I guess, how to manage my time. So I'm like right now spreading myself really, really thin um, with classes and being class president and working with NAMI and doing all the things that I'm so passionate about doing and spreading the awareness that I don't think, I mean, I could never stop doing any of the things that I'm doing because that's what I'm passionate about. Um, it's been really hard to figure out something to take off that to-do list. Like I don't want to stop working and I don't want to stop um, advocating but it can be stressful at times, especially when you're someone who naturally kind of falls into like a caregiving role in like your friendships or your, you know, familial or family relationships. Um, it's like really hard. And I'm very fortunate that my family has always encouraged me to go to therapy. And um, I know that that is a privilege and I work really hard with my therapist to talk about that. Um, like, taking care of myself, prioritizing myself in a relationship or a friendship, or it can just be really hard. Like high school is hard in general. And then you throw in all these other factors of today. Like I was just talking to a parent about my school uses power school, which is like how we all access our grades at home. So I go home from school where I'm supposed to be, I mean, I'm working or something, but I'm supposed to be taking a break and I get notifications. Oh, your Spanish grade just went down to a C. Lovely. Now I have so much stress that I'm just figuring out what test I failed or what quiz I, I failed. And I think there is where the expectation piece comes in for me from like my friends and my peers that you're just always expected to be like on it and just doing everything perfectly. Like high school is stressful nowadays and I'm sure it always has been, but I think now with technology and um, the events of the recent years, like things are just stressful. I love how you brought up that some of the things that are stressing you out are also things that you love. So volunteering, advocating, um, and it just goes to show that we can love something, but also need a break from it. And that is so important to recognize. Thank you. Finding that balance is a big challenge. And I'm very happy to hear that, you know, you are um, taking the steps and accessing your supports uh, to work through those things because a lot of folks don't. So I'm happy, I'm happy you have that. Erin, <laughs> kind of going off of what you said, all throughout my life, since I was two and a half, I was a dancer and dance has a very specific environment if you've ever been involved in like the performing arts or anything um like you know someone who has experienced this um but like social pressures to be ballet dancers are very prim and proper and every body part has to be in a very specific place at a very specific time at a very specific beat in the music and like that's how it is like in the so social environment as well like things are very like they have to be a certain way I was a competitive dancer um for like seven years and up until I was 16 years old I 
thought that that was what I was going to be doing until I graduated high school. Like I thought like, oh, cool. This is, this is what I'm meant to be doing. This is so much fun. And like, I loved doing it, but the people around me, I realized just were not it. <laughs> like I loved the administrators of my studio. They were so healthy and like they did their best to make it fun. And I really enjoyed what I was doing, but like after one interaction, it can just kind of bring it snowballing down. And I had some of my like darkest moments because of like one thing that happened at the studio. So I, my sister is also a dancer and she thrives in that sort of environment. Whereas I learned very quickly that something that I loved turned into something that I don't know, just totally took a toll on me and my stress and became and went from an outlet to a stressor, if that makes sense. Um, I, I moved to theater as an outlet um, where I can still dance and like still do stuff like that, but it's much healthier for me um, instead of like that more competitive um environment I'm in like a more not like a more recreational environment but like I do it at my high school so it's a it's very different but I really liked how you kind of brought that up and how the things that you love can kind of come back and bite you in the butt if you will so what do the three of you do to balance that love for something when it is also something that can be a stressor I have just started practicing saying no. Um, and even when someone doesn't respect that, like sticking with it, because it's just not like saying no, there's no, it's not like me giving you an option. Like when I say no, I can't do something or no, I can't be present at this event or no, I, it's no, it doesn't mean, oh, let me move this around. Like I can't be there. I can't. Um, and sometimes no is because of like a schedule situation or no is because of my, where I am emotionally. Like you only have so many dollars in your emotional bank. And if you're going to go and spend it everywhere, like I can't be running on, I don't know. I can't be in debt all the time. So saying no, I think sometimes gives me like, it just, I don't know. It gives you a little bit of power in your own life because really it is your life but I feel like sometimes people um have a lot of control over that so saying no is my biggest thing lately that I've been working on like and it helps a lot like even just with my family like my dad he's like my best friend but sometimes he'll be like hey do you want to play this video game tonight and I'm like no I can't because I have work or I, I have something I need to be getting done and even though doing hanging out with my dad is one of my favorite things like Sometimes you just got to say no and focus on where, focus your energy where it needs to be. I have a lot of feelings about everything that you said, but I love you talking about like your emotional bank um, and the, the boundary of no. No does not mean compromise. No does not mean, um, you know, I'll meet you halfway or I'll change my plans or, you know, maybe another day. I mean, sometimes it can mean maybe another day, but a no is a no, um, not a vague gray line. So I'm just happy to hear you say that. And even um, sometimes it's, I need time by myself. It's not 
you know, oh, I have work or, oh, I have class or school or homework. Sometimes a no can just be, I need to lay in bed and watch reality TV for three hours. Um, you know, it's boundary setting is all about, you know, taking care of yourself. And, um, you know, that looks like a lot of different things. I would love to know how you respond when someone tries to negotiate with your boundaries. It's, I just asked this, if you don't have a solid answer for it, that's fine. But I just asked this because it is something that I still struggle with to this day. The second someone starts negotiating my boundaries with me, I almost always give in. Yeah, um, I think being class president has given me that um, skill set, like has helped me to evolve that because at the beginning of this year, people were pulling me so many different ways. And I would just be like, yes, I can, I'll be there, I'll be there, I'll be there until it got to the point that I wasn't giving my 100% where I was. Um, and I think I just started like, like now when a friend doesn't listen, I'm like, I, listen, it's just not an option. Like I really just keep repeating it. Um, for me, it's, I struggle when it's a teacher. Um, I struggle when it's an adult in my life um, that I might not have a really close relationship with, like my dad. Like if it's a teacher or uh, someone I work with, like I will pretty much always say yes. And especially if they want to um, reschedule or I'm working on that as well. So if any of you have any tips, I'm all ears. <laughs> now, would you say that you're more let's say flexible with those folks because of pressure you feel is coming from them or because of you know how high you hold them I think it depends who it is like some people especially those who I've come close with in like the mental health community um I just love it I love working with them and I love talking with them especially everyone over at NAMI um and they're just so nice that I'm like they're just so supportive like it's gonna fill my bucket um there are like teachers that's all pressure that's 100 percent. like it's so hard to say no to a teacher when they need you to run these errands that really makes no sense that you're doing it but um I just I think teachers is an expectation and just pressure but the people that help me fulfill my passion and like give me these incredible opportunities like I just have so much respect and love for them that I, I always want to figure it out with them, you know? So let me preface with this. I am not class president. <laughs> so like I, like I do a lot of things like around my school. So like I have relationships with, especially the teachers in my music department. I'll like, I'll run a lot of errands. Like I'll go copy some sheet music, yada, yada, yada. Um, but it's more about self real, like self awareness. I guess. So during the pandemic and like during March of 2020, at least because we're kind of still in the pandemic, but like I took that time to really do a lot of like introspective thinking um, and really come to terms with like, okay, how much can I handle? Because I realized just how much of myself I was expending and just how much just how in debt I was. I will use the bank analogy because that's fantastic. Um, but I kind of took that time and I was like, okay, what bonds with people do I truly value? What bonds do I need to break in order to like be true to myself? And like, who do I want to be? 
what kind of person do I want to be? So like learning to say no and like learning to do what serves me and put me first um, is kind of what gets me around like people trying to, even adults, like when my, like I feel, I'm someone who feels guilty a lot of the time because I'm a people pleaser. Um, but um, I, when I have to take days off because I have an event of some sort, whether it's a show or a concert or something else, um, and I have to text my boss and they're like, okay, I'm so, that's so sad, but okay. Um, I, I still feel guilty, you know? So I, like, I get, I totally get what you were saying, Jace, about like not really knowing how to feel when other people say no to your no (laughs) if that makes sense but like Mm -hmm. for me it was that like like introspective thinking that kind of allowed for me to figure out like what does what how much can I spend and it is a guilty feeling like you feel bad for letting other people down but at the same time you are people too and right when you're not taking care of yourself you're letting yourself down right and, and that you deserve causes stress. more <laughs> yes 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 you stole the words right out of my mouth <laughs> uh if your bucket isn't full you can't fill others um and even I mean especially with work if you aren't taking time off to do the things that bring value to your life um like yeah maybe it stinks that they're short-staffed or you know whatever that looks like um but really you would just end up growing to resent them you know or like not wanting to go to work because you know that balance is so important um and uh the work life school life balance uh comes with a lot of pressure and expectations um but really you got to prioritize you yeah I'm really lucky to have great bosses who are like okay if you find your own coverage then cool you know it's because like I'm a waitress so I gotta be like texting all my waitress friends and being like oh can you fill my shift but like (laughs) it's true because especially in like a restaurant you gotta like make sure someone's there but my bosses are really great um especially with high school aged kids they're fantastic especially for that so that takes some stress off my back right my bosses are incredible like I work at a um social emotional learning like after school program and they are always like encouraging me to just follow the like to take every opportunity that, that I can and even though especially at an after school program one less person is so overwhelming um with like 38 energetic kids um they're always just really supportive of that and for me like even today I had to take work off um to record and they were very supportive of it and I just think that having those people who also respect your boundaries and know like you know sometimes people just gotta do what they gotta do it takes the stress off like I have so many teachers at school now who I think are um, learning to accept when I say no. And I know my guidance counselors are probably listening to this laughing because, um, I've gotten better at saying no, I'm still not great at it, but I've gotten better. Um, so it's just, it just takes a while, but it's not your life if you're letting someone else dictate it or run it or run your schedule or anything. So you gotta just, 
you just gotta all of us have to start saying no (laughs) I have so much to say I it's been I've been like I struggle with ADHD and a big part of my ADHD is like I always want to speak and contribute I've literally been forcing myself to be on mute because every single thing everyone said I've had something to say oh I'm just I'm full of emotions and words right now and now that I'm trying to articulate them they're all kind of gonna like flop around like fish out of water yes that's okay we're gonna find our way give us the Uh, fish so first thing that comes to mind is that I work at a restaurant as well so I understand entirely I am a dishwasher though so I don't have the biggest stress when it comes to kind of finding people covering my shift it's actually a little bit more difficult arguably considering that it's a home-owned diner so we only have like two dishwashers we rotate between and we have like six waitresses it, it makes for quite the funny dynamic. By funny, I mean very stressful. Um, I'm blessed to have a very, very healthy and fun work environment. So I personally really enjoy showing up to work. I actually have a really fun time. I sometimes would literally rather cancel my plans to go to work instead. I have fun. I'm friends with my coworkers. It's nice. But um, it can be a really, really big hassle when it comes to trying to manage my time in regards to work, in regards to the fact I'm a student, in regards to the fact that I struggle with mental health daily. There are a lot of things that I still have to work on. I mean, I'm only 17. I have a lot to learn and I'm already dealing with more responsibilities than a lot of my peers and those that are even older than me. It's a lot to manage. I I feel like I've kind of been thrown into the more laborious aspects of the world since I was like 10 or 11. And I really haven't been able to slow down since then. Um, Going back- The fact they are able to recognize that though is so (laughs) important. And I just want to support you in every aspect, but then I'm like, wait, no, you take care of myself too. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, Funny enough on that subject and especially of saying no, So I come from a very weird perspective, so to say. Um, When it comes to saying no, the places that I find myself saying it the most are in my most intimate, like, friendships and whatnot, um, and in the most intimate aspects of my work outside of the diner. So in addition to the diner, I also work with various, you know, mental health organizations, things like that, like I mentioned earlier. And it's really hard saying no. Um, I'm the kind of person that I love advocating for mental health. It's become like quite literally a fixation of mine over the years. It's something I feel so strong and passionate about, but I'm taking care of everybody's mental health or trying to, but I... I never fail to slow down and realize that I'm never taking care of my own. I try to tell myself that by taking care of everyone else's, I'll feel better. But at the end of the day, when I come back home, I'm like, wow, I did a great job. I feel amazing. I did so much. I helped everyone. Then I I sit down and I'm like, oh my God, I'm so tired. Well, we're going to do it again tomorrow. Like I don't, I don't stop. I don't ever let myself stop. It actually came to the point where, um, Last night, I was out with a few friends, and I realized that was the first time I've seen them this whole year. I've only hung out with friends, I think, four times this year total. And it's not because I just haven't been in the mood to see people. It's because I've been so busy. I literally have four to seven meetings a week. 
it's been like this for two years now. I'm always, always doing stuff. I totally, totally get it. Like trying to take care of yourself while taking care of everyone else. Like I have friends who call me mom. Like, <laughs> like I am, like I'm in my, so many of my friends' phones as mother Katie. Like, and it's a joke and like, <laughs> I don't mind. It's like a totally joking thing. And like, obviously there's clearly boundaries that I've set that I've had other people set, yada, yada, yada. It's very healthy, but like, I, I love that for me. Like I'm very <laughs> proud of myself and I'm proud of my little children. Cause they're all, I'm a senior and most of them are juniors and yada, yada. But like, that's why I think that feeling of like wanting to help other people is why I've chosen my career path. So I'm going to major in psychology um, at St. A's next year, St. Anselm College. Um, and I've been able to, um, I'm going to do a, an education minor um, because I want to help kids in schools as a school psychologist. Um, because like, I know what helping kids can do, um, like through field work stuff through my CTE courses and through, um, the various experiences that I've gotten to have, like, I know how meaningful that can be. So like, I totally just wanted to jump in and be like, you and me, like, we're, each just other. mother everyone <laughs> we're gonna oh, yeah. parent the world <laughs> I think we're actually all just triplets and we're everyone's aunts because <laughs> because yep. um the second you started saying like your friends have you as mom in their phone I'm like I'm the therapist Erin therapist Erin in everyone's phone and I'm like it's it's healthy because my friends now I think understand as I started advocating like the biggest thing um that I love to see is when my friends are like, are you in the right mind space to listen to my problems right now? Like asking permission before you just trauma dump on someone is something that I've tried to advocate for so, so much. Um, but for me, I just wanted to shout out all the therapist friends out there who have been a therapist friend since like fourth grade, because I'm totally with you on that. Um, but I just, I just needed to say that. I think we're all aunts here and um, yeah. <laughs> yes, dealing with your stress and other people's stress and like while navigating childhood and building boundaries and how to figure that out is is a, a, so hard so like kudos to Erin for building those boundaries I've kind of done the same thing and yeah second that <laughs> um maybe that would explain why my bones hurt so much all the time <laughs> Can't carry the weight of the world on your own. I've got to say, I am overjoyed to hear that your friends ask for consent, Aaron, because I know y'all all saw, I, though our listeners may not have my um, putting putting my face in my hands when I heard um, <laughs> Katie refer to herself as the mom friend. Um, I do that because I was the mom friend. Um, I was the group therapist, um, especially because I was, you know, not mentally well uh, when I was younger. I had experienced a lot and uh, been put in the situation where I grew up pretty quickly. But it sounds like y'all are in better spots than I was when I was your age, which makes my heart flutter. But all of you just set boundaries. <laughs> <laughs> 
So I guess I'm the only one here that was not the mom friend. Oh no, actually, maybe. <laughs> what was your role? <laughs> I feel like I was therapist friend at some points, um, but I often got labeled as the dad friend, mm. you know, not quite as put together as the mom friend, but still <laughs> very supportive. <laughs> It's so funny that you say this because I know one of my friends that I'm forcing to watch this after is quite literally the dad friend to my mom friend. Ollie, when you see this, I say hi. <laughs> I had but, a mom friend to my dad friend. I feel yeah, like every mom friend need uh, needs a dad friend and every dad friend needs a mom friend. They like kind of like stable each other out a little bit. Like they don't at all, but they kind of do. It's more fun when you have a partner in crime. Exactly. Exactly. Now I'm thinking, when will I meet my dad friend? <laughs> but uh, you're saying, I'm sorry, Oakley, I'm so sorry. Oh, no, you're fine. Please go ahead. Um, what you were saying about like growing up quickly and how that like impacted your, the position or the role you play in your friendships, that just hit home. Um, I think a lot of people who find themselves advocating for mental health, I think grew up a little quickly for whatever Maybe it's situations at home or situations you had in school um, or just the environment you have surrounded yourself with. Um, one thing that I, like this whole conversation is so validating because it's just a bunch of people like who have all, who are all feeling the same things and it's just not talked about enough. But I think a lot of people who grow up fast tend to be the people who like put on that smiling face all the time and I think it's just important to check in on those people too, you know, like <laughs> Oakley. <laughs> um, TikTok has a trending hashtag right now that says check on your happy friends. No. Literally, it's about time. Yes. <laughs> but that just, it just, Heather, when you said that, it made me, it made me think of that. Just like checking in on your happy friends and um, almost paying attention to the role that your friends are playing and making sure that they're not a caregiver all the time and that sometimes everyone just needs one person to look at them and be like are you good are you good do you need something um, checking in asking for consent <laughs> these are all things you know, that modeling all that behavior <laughs> exactly anyway Oakley back very, to you it's very funny that you guys bring that up because I wanted to kind of mention that I'm sort of like the other side of the coin in regards to that um so I have had the unfortunate uh, experience of needing to cut off friends even in the past few months because they did not respect those boundaries of mine and I tried to have several conversations with them prior being like hey I really care about you but this isn't working for me right now and I really want to find that middle ground where you can respect my boundaries and I can respect yours and we don't keep butting heads over this because I feel like I'm not being listened to properly and I don't think either of us are getting in full with what we need. And I think we, if we don't work this out now, it's only going to get worse. And I don't want this to get worse for either, uh, either of us. Unfortunately, after those talks, sometimes things really didn't change. In fact, with a few people, it got worse. Um, so, you know, sometimes it comes to the point of needing to set aside your differences and just go your own way. Uh, one thing that I have learned over the years is that um, I'm stuck with myself for the rest of my life. I shouldn't be able to get forced into this role that makes me 
start to dislike myself. I am, in my eyes, I am a, actually, no, not just in my eyes, just in general. I am a priority. I choose myself first and foremost. And if you're not going to respect that, then you don't have that respect for our friendship. So why are we working hard to uphold it? You know, that's the kind of philosophy I've had to adapt. And it hurts because I've had to let go of a lot of people that have really meant the world and more to me. I still care for some of those people to this very day, but until I see some change at some point, I'm, I'm just not going back. And that's honestly one of the biggest examples of saying no, that I've really been able to stick to. Um, it's kind of a joke I have with a few closer friends of mine that, um, they know that I, since I work in the mental health field, I often end up picking up friends that are kind of struggling with their mental health. And as much as I love to help them, I have learned over the years that I am not a rehabilitation center. None of us are. Not a single person is responsible for someone else's mental health. You can try to help them, but at the end of the day, you are your own person. You are responsible for yourself and yourself only. And I've had to cut off people that did not accept that truth. And I can still care for them, for like the world about them, but that doesn't mean I have to have them in my life and I have to be in theirs. I can support them from the sidelines while we go our own way. I can wish you the best, but never want you in my life, you know? But, um, you know, jumping back a little bit farther, saying no has always been a really, really big problem for me, considering I do work in the mental health field. It can be a really slippery slope sometimes with the people you're working with. Um, to get as honest as possible and as vulnerable as I am comfortable with, just last October, I was giving a speech on behalf of the foundation that I work for, for suicide prevention. Um, my father and I were both giving a speech and unfortunately, um, literally the day later, one of the many people in that room that we were talking to had taken their own life. I've never gotten over that. And I think as much as I consciously am aware of the fact it's not my fault emotionally, I'm, I'm never, well, not never, because I can't predict the future, but I don't think I'm ever going to be able to get over that in full. I don't expect myself to either. Um, if anything, my goal is to hopefully not hold myself accountable anymore. When I know in truth, it was not my fault. I helped with the investigation and everything. And I mean, shoot, I didn't even know her for 10 minutes. It's, it's kind of hard to put the weight of all that on yourself when you weren't even in their life for almost, you know, the entire point of their life. And it's really hard because ever since that happened, and even before, um, I always get scared to say no, especially in the mental health field, because I always have that voice in the back of my head that says, if you say no to them, how do you know that you're not going to get another phone call saying that they're gone? Um, I've had a lot of loss in my life in general. I lost my sister for the same reason in 2017. I've lost several friends for the same reason over the years. And saying no in general, especially in that field, is mortifying to me. It's something I still struggle with to this day. But I kind of have to step back and step out of myself and realize 
I literally just said not even two minutes ago that I'm responsible for myself and myself only. So why am I not upholding that? I, I need to practice what I preached or else I sound like a hypocrite. And why would you give any time of day to someone that's a hypocrite? You know, if I don't take my own advice, then how do I know? I'm so sorry. That's my cat sprinting in the back. If you hear him, um, then how will I know if what I'm saying is even real, if it's even true? And I know it is because when I finally set that aside and start working on myself, I actually start to feel a lot better. I'm choosing me now. And it's one of the best things I've ever done in my life. And as hard as it is getting over and working through a lot of the things I've been through, being able to put myself in that high priority and realize that none of this, none of the losses I've experienced were my fault whatsoever. If anything, I could have been the reason they stayed a little bit longer. And just knowing that and knowing that it's the truth through what I've experienced, what I've seen, what I've heard, it's, it's enough to keep me going and to keep me motivated to keep working on myself and realize that I am a priority. I need to be a priority. I don't just want to or should be. I need to be a priority. Just like how you, every single person listening, everyone that's here, you are a priority and you not, it's not just that you should be a priority to yourself. You need to be a priority to yourself. And that's something that I really wish I knew sooner. And I'm really glad I'm really starting to discover that and feel it in full now. Thank you so much, Oakley, for sharing that. Ultimately, we only have control over ourselves. We can control our choices, our actions, you know, to a level, our feelings. Um, and a choice that someone else makes, regardless of how serious or permanent it is, um, is their choice. And if you're in a situation where you don't feel prepared to help, just pass it on. You know, you can say, you know, reach out to this person, reach out to this helpline, um, you know, reach out to NAMI, whatever it is. It is okay if you are not in the space to help, because again, you're number one. You can't help others if you're not helping yourself. I think the really interesting, like, universal experience, I don't want to say universal, a lot of people in middle school and high school now, I think the first person that I can actually say I talked through a crisis, um, I was probably 11. I was 11 years old, and I already felt the responsibility of saving a friend's life. Now, I will do whatever I can to help support someone, but I think now I understand um, that I am not a trained mental health professional. Um, I just play one on TV and <laughs> I am 16. I got my license six months ago. Like I'm not, I'm not capable of saving everybody. Um, I obviously, like I said, will do whatever I can, but I think it's important to pass people along, just like Heather said, like, you can't feel that responsibility at, in high school or in middle school. Like, I was literally 11 years old, and I felt the responsibility of doing that. Um, the other thing, Oakley, I wanted to um, say, when you're talking about, like, the unfortunate, um, how did you word it? You said, like, I unfortunately had to cut friends off. 
but I think maybe I don't know if you know this yet but I think that that is good for you if people aren't listening when you are setting your boundaries um an apology without change is just manipulation really it's if you tell somebody that I don't like when you're doing this and they say "Mm, I'm sorry and then they keep doing it that's just manipulation and it's not worth your time it's not worth your energy and I think that you making those choices cutting those people off it's all going to help you in the long run losing friends stinks I lost a best friend a few months ago or oh my gosh it was like two years ago now (laughs) a few months ago um and it was one of the hardest things ever and I've seen things that are hard um but that was just it was a different type of loss and um in the moment it stunk until you start realizing like I'm low-key a much better person and I like myself a lot more now that I don't have to beg somebody for their validation or whatever whatever it is um and losing a friend is a type of loss that we don't talk about very often (laughs) I mean when we break up with someone, right? Everyone's always giving you so much advice on how to move on and how to like get back out there kind of thing. But when you lose a friendship, no one's there saying, oh, this is how you get over it because how do you get over it? You know, it's one of those things that you built this intimate connection with a person And like a breakup, you have to find out how to go forward again and kind of fill in those pieces of your life that they were taking up, but do it in a way that's healthier now, because obviously that person's not in your life for a reason now. So how do you fill those pieces while still taking care of yourself and still making sure that you're doing what's best, not only for the relationships that you're in, but primarily for your own mental health and well-being? Honestly, a big part of that, at least for me, was kind of, I don't want to say getting over myself. It was getting over my, getting over my sense of self-hatred that I harbored for way, way too long. Honestly, looking back, I, I don't fully understand why I really didn't like myself for so long, considering I've grown to genuinely appreciate myself as a person. I'm still working on some stuff, obviously, but overall, I... I really care about myself and I really like myself as a person. But one thing that really helped was starting to really befriend myself and realize that, you know, friends come and go. I've always had, you know, at least one friend with me. And even when it feels like I don't, I've always had myself and I've always had at least certain people in my family. For example, my dad, um, as well as like with what Aaron said, my dad is also pretty much my best friend. Um, He's always been there for me. And he actually taught me a really important thing when it comes to uh, cutting ties with people, no matter how much you care about them. And it's that anyone that puts themselves in a position to lose me was never worth my time and energy to begin with. That's such a vital thing that I need to start reminding myself even like to this very day I think I need to start reminding myself of that more because cutting off friends is always a hard feeling it feels like you're missing a part of you but I've also especially as of late have been kind of learning to be content with that sense of emptiness 
sometimes when you lose someone or something, that void that it leaves behind will never quite be filled the same way that it was. And that's not a bad thing. If anything, that's what allows that growth and that change. And if I didn't have that, you know, that ability to, well, that opening, I guess, would be a better word to really grow and change, I wouldn't be who I am to this day. And honestly, that would have sucked. <laughs> like that would have sucked so much more. Um, I really like who I am and who I'm becoming. I am not a bite-sized woman whatsoever. And if someone thinks I'm too much, then if they told me that when I was younger, I would have cried. If they say that to me now, I'll just laugh and tell them to go find less. And it's so nice having that mentality. And I think knowing that I am really starting to appreciate myself and have my own back has actually been a really big stress reducer for me, you know, funny enough how it relates to the topic, but knowing that I have myself means so much to me. And honestly, it helps me get through the day a lot. It really does. Yeah. I was going to kind of go off of what you were saying, but I, okay. So I struggle with anxiety. I have generalized anxiety disorder and social anxiety disorder. Um, but I, with social anxiety, you kind of go through every day. I say it's like when you're walking down a hallway and it feels as though everyone's eyes are on you when like, you know, they're not, but like you, you, it feels that way. Um, if I were, if I try to explain it to people, that's what I kind of say. So learning or try trying so hard to kind of find my own way through the gazes of other people has been so difficult, especially through my high school career. I'm, I'm nearing the end of my high school career, which kind of means that I'm being very retrospective, like at this point. And like, I'm kind of going over the various stressors that I've experienced, such as classes, such as National Honor Society, such as other things, such as, like, you know, but one of the biggest things I think has been my social standing and what I think my own social standing is um, compared to what actually matters, which is whether or not I like myself. And I think that's been, like, such a huge stress inducer for me my entire high school career is other people's expectations of me like if I'm wearing what's right if I if my hair looks good if if I'm in the right social group like I (laughs) this sounds so bad but I just don't care anymore you know like I I turned 18 recently like I I've been hitting so many milestones and I'm like woohoo go me what's next you know like I'm ready to just move on with my life and go experience more stress if that makes sense like I'm ready to show the world that I like who I'm becoming and I'm really hoping that like by talking to other people about stress and about my experience in high school like it can help other people go through high school I have to say this episode is just as much about stress as it is about growth. 
um, you know, I really appreciate y'all sharing your accomplishments and your goals and the skills that you've learned to combat stress. Um, it wasn't it wasn't quite what I expected out of a conversation about stress, and I just really appreciate it. But I must say, this is probably one of my favorite episodes that we've recorded to date. I just love what all of you have had to say and just how you put it, too. You made the language so accessible, and I will never forget that now I have an emotional bank and <laughs> I cannot go into debt. <laughs> Who knew that we just needed three high schoolers to give us advice? <laughs> that is stressful. One last thing that would always be good is just a general stress tip. I say this half jokingly. I should probably clarify. I know I'm bad with tone. I see you guys out there who also don't get tone. I feel you. <laughs> if you're ever feeling stressed, just yell bubbles in the angriest voice you can. Kid you not, never fails to make me laugh. Funniest thing I can do. Just, ugh just yelling bubbles as angrily as you can. One of my favorite things. I also I totally blanked on the fact that, you know, viewers can't really read a, a Zoom chat. So I did pop two things in there that I, if you are okay with it and if time will allow it, I very much wanted to share these two things with the viewers slash listeners. So the first one is a quote and I'm forgetting completely what it's from. I'm so sorry if someone knows please, by all means, reach out to me and tell me because dear God, it's one of my favorite quotes. The second thing is something that I've just learned in general. I actually pulled it out from one of my uh, little journal entries on my phone. So the first quote is, never forget who and what you are. The rest of the world will not. Wear it like armor and it can never be used against you. I want to say that's from something like Game of Thrones now that I say it out loud. <laughs> I don't know. But the other thing is that uh, personally speaking, I've learned over the years that there are thousands of people that love the idea of me. And I'm sure there are thousands of people that love the idea of everyone here and everyone listening. But honestly, not everyone has the maturity to handle the reality of me. And that's okay. That's perfectly fine. Some people are just not going to be my people. So why should I stress out over that? You know? Why stress over people that aren't my people when I could be enjoying my time with my people? So on that bit of advice, do y'all have any words of encouragement to share with our listeners? Yeah, um, I'll, end, I'll end with this. High school has, so I, and life really, you see rom-coms, you see what everything is supposed to look like. That is not real, like at all you are your own person you're going to experience things in your own individual way and that's okay like your experience is valid your stress is valid whatever it may be you may be stressed about the fact that your cereal was warm this morning or something so stupid and random like that i don't know why that even came to my head who knows? Warm cereal would stress me out. It would. I, I've actually been stressed out over that. Yeah, something so random. It could be completely intangible, but it's it's valid and you have every right to be stressed out about that thing. That's something that I've had to learn is my little anxieties, they are 
valid and I am deserving to have my little anxieties. And then my little tip that I'm going to end on is to take a moment and uh, reflect upon the bonds that you treasure and strengthen and foster those bonds. And if they're not putting work into it, um, at least as much as you are, then how much stress should it you should you really have about that relationship? Because they could be a coping mechanism for you. I think hmm. there's so much we talked about. Um, I think my favorite thing is that you are your own person. You are your own best friend. You are the person that's going to be with you every single day for the rest of time or your time. Um, you are your life can't be dictated by what everybody else wants you to do. And saying no is okay. Um, if it's something that's not going to fulfill you or if it's something that you just don't have the money for, the emotional money for. <laughs> um, but really, it is something that... Recovery is a long process, but it starts with the little things that you can do. Um, like learning how to say no or um, speaking up and talking to a parent or a guardian or whoever you live with about um, what's going on in your brain, looking up stress videos and how to get rid of stress, like however you can just learn what works for you. Not everything works for everybody. When I'm stressed, <laughs> um, I shower and uh, I shut my phone off. I'll listen to rain sounds. I will go in the car and sing Nicki Minaj. Like there's so many things that you can do, but it's just not going to work for everyone. So if you start um, trying different coping mechanisms and the first three you try aren't working, there's about 7 billion more. Um, so try some of those. You don't need to try every single one, but try a lot of them. Um, yeah, not everything works for everyone, but uh, it it's going to be okay. Don't make a permanent decision on temporary feelings. You know what I'm saying? Could Love not it. agree with you more on that one. Another thing that I wanted to add is if we're given those little tidbits of advice, not just should you yell bubbles as angry as you can, <laughs> but um, two things that I think I overlooked when I was starting my recovery process, but really helped me and still do is a going out of my way to actually like, not just be nice to myself, but talk nicely to myself. I changed my humor around entirely. I used to make self-deprecating jokes all the time. And now that I don't, I'm like, wow, no wonder I was so stressed about that stuff. Like psychologically speaking, it literally rewires your thought process. It is true. It's been proven that making those self-deprecating jokes quite literally ruins how you perceive yourself. And ever since I started making more positive jokes about myself um, and just those silly little things, I've actually started to love myself so much more. And I, I've learned to take things a little less seriously in life. And it's helped a lot with getting less stressed. And the other thing is it's okay to do things on a whim. It's okay to change things, even if it's last minute, because you're doing at the end of the day, what you think is best for you. I had three meetings yesterday. I didn't show up to any of them. <laughs> um, instead, I took some good old me time. I 
actually went out of my way to take care of myself and indulge in things that I didn't realize I haven't touched in months, like actual hobbies of mine. I've neglected them all for my work and it's so bad, but doing that on a whim was honestly the highlight of my week. And I have a feeling it's going to stay the highlight of my week other than this conversation I'm having with everyone this evening. And, you know, don't be afraid to do those things on a whim either, because it's scary doing things on a whim. It's scary, like not listening to that. But what if, but what if voice in my head, but once I do it, I'm like, oh, hey, wait a second. This is actually nice that like way better than the uh, original outcome that I was anticipating. Like, oh my God, this is probably one of the best things I could have done. So don't be afraid to do those things on a whim. And if it ends up being kind of sucky, then that's okay. Cause you always have the chance to pick yourself up. You can always redo things. You can always restart things. People will always say that once you do something, it's there forever. It's not. <laughs> They're literally just trying to scare you into conformity, into fitting into what they want you to do. Think of life almost like a video game. You're your own avatar. You can customize yourself and you can customize the world around you. That's exactly why everyone's here tonight, isn't Like, isn't it? We're all trying to customize the world around us. And based off of how this evening's gone, I would say we're doing a pretty good job. Thank, Thank you, you so much, Oakley. So I guess my little tidbit to wrap this up is, I mean, I've always been a very stressed out person, but the thing that has helped me the most um, has been the five by five rule. If I ever find myself getting stressed out about something, I ask myself, is this going to matter in five years? And if not, I'm not going to give myself more than five minutes to stress out about it. And now sometimes I end up stressing out about it for more than five minutes, but the reminder to myself that this isn't going to be something that is stressing me out in five years just gives me this wonderful reassurance that I'm going to be okay. And I'm going to get through it, no matter how stressful or how difficult I think it seems in the moment. I know that I have had the strength to make it through every obstacle so far, and I can do that going forward as well. I guess that leaves me. Um, I'd have to say, taking the time to find what you need to cool down and take a break, whether it's doing a grounding technique doing some mindfulness, um, or again, going back to three hours of reality TV, which is a go-to for myself, um, or, you know, hanging out with your critter, cat, dog uh, in bed for a bit, whatever that can look like, um, can be massively beneficial, whether it's for five minutes or five hours or whatever amount of time you need. Um, and my other piece of advice is just say no. Say no all the time, everywhere, every day, whenever you need it. Uh, practice it, learn it, get used to it, uh, and say it with confidence. Thank you so much, Heather. And these tips may not work for everyone, but until we start putting ourselves out there and trying new things, I always say nothing changes if nothing changes. So keep working towards the change that you want to see. Um, and we'll be here for you fighting in your corner. So with that, 
Thank you everyone for listening to the 603 Stories podcast. Take care and join us next time. Thanks for listening to the 603 Stories podcast, a monthly podcast made by young adults for young adults. You can check out 603 Stories on Facebook or Instagram or at our website, 603stories.org. Just a reminder, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline can be reached at 800-273-8255. That's 800-273-TALK. And the Crisis Text Line can be reached by texting to 741-741. Remember, you can make connections, get help, and find hope through 603 Stories.